0: Welcome to the Realities of College Recruiting Podcast, where our team of former college coaches, players, and MLB scouts tackle the most critical college recruiting topics. With guests including college coaches, MLB pro scouts, and industry insiders, we will empower you with the tips and strategies needed to gain an advantage in your college recruiting process. The Sports Force Podcast is powered by our partner, 5-Tool Baseball. Okay, let's start the show. All right. Um, well, want to welcome, uh, coach Willie Bloomquist, um, longtime friend of mine, former teammate, um, you know, fellow, uh, avid sportsman as well. And, uh, we go, we go quite a ways back. Uh, Willie, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing?
1: Well, I'm doing much better than last time. I didn't have much of a voice when I talked to you a couple of days ago, but, uh, yeah, doing really well, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So yeah,
0: we were scheduled to do Saturday, but um, Willie and the ASU Sun Devils and the whole staff did a team building um, kind of exercise, and that turned into uh, just Sun Devil uh, family going going crazy. And and it sounds like your voice is about sixty percent back. You sound a lot better. How are you feeling?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, compared to where I was at. It's it's definitely a lot better. So um, anxious. To, uh little revenge schedule for the guys uh, practice tomorrow. So they've been giving me a little bit of flack the last few days. I haven't been able to yell at them. So we'll, we'll make up for it definitely on Tuesday.
0: No doubt. No doubt. Well, um, you know, for some people that don't, you know, know you and your background um, obviously you're not from Arizona originally, um, you know, from the Northwest. And I'm just curious, like when did like ASU and Sun Devil baseball, like, really start to um get in your blood
1: well i think um you know i guess that i would have to say probably when i was nine nine or ten and that's uh it's an interesting story i guess from a standpoint i grew up going uh to washington husky football games my whole entire life uh, as a child uh my dad was an avid husky fan and then um my oldest sister went off to school um and went to Arizona state, uh, for her undergraduate. And, you know, at that point in time, I I was already a baseball junkie. Um, she was sending me all kinds of Arizona state gear, um, you know, up to, up to Washington and to much to my, my dad's disliking of all that stuff, you know, trying to get rid of the ASU gear and, and not to wear that around the house type stuff. But, uh, I think my sister got a cheap thrill out of it, but bottom line, it was, you know, she would always tell me about ASU and then going to Omaha and going to the college world series and, you know, how great the baseball program program is. Um, and that's kind of when I started following it and, and, um, you know, from that standpoint on, I just kind of started following ASU baseball and really kind of gravitating that, you know, set a, a dream as a young kid that that's where I wanted to play, College baseball, Um, and you know, I guess that's when the love and the the desire to want to play at ASU started when it is a young kid. Absolutely. Well,
0: I think for for players that are listening in, uh, I think having that vision, you know, for for your sports interests and for your life is, is really important. Um, I know how big of an impact your dad was, um, you know, on your life. And now you're, you're the father of four daughters. Um, and now you're kind of a father of, you know, the players that are part of the program. Um, I'm curious if you can just share, you know, the impact that, that your dad, you know, had on you. Um, as now that you're, you know, you're a coach and a father yourself. Well,
1: I think, um, it goes without saying my dad is, you know, uh, is my hero. And, and regardless of, of whether or not he is here on here with us on earth anymore or not, he is, he is my hero will always be my hero. Um, he was the guy that introduced me to the game of baseball. He, uh, he was the one that was, that taught me right from wrong. Um, you know, those type of things, uh, having a mentality, uh listen, I'll be the first to say it was not always easy growing up with my dad. Um, he was very tough on me, um, very, um, uh, I don't want to say perfectionist, but uh, well, yeah, it's yeah, really nowhere else to put it. He, he, he demanded perfection out of me, um, you know, and that, from that standpoint, as a kid growing up, it was at times very tough, you know, and, and he expected us to excel, not only myself, but my brother and my two sisters. Uh, his train of thought was if you're going to do something, be the best at it and do it right. Um, You know, don't half ass it and screw around, do it right and get it done. Right. So um, I learned obviously a lot from him when it comes to to baseball and the fundamentals, but, but not only that, but just on um, everything else in life as well. Um, Often when I'm in, in my, position I'm in now, I, I think a lot of times, okay, how, how would my old man handle this? You know, if he were in this situation and got this thrown at his, got this thrown in his lap, how would he handle it? Um, and you know, I kind of, I kind of reflect on him a a lot more than, than people know and just kind of a lot of the things I've learned were strictly straight from him. So, uh, you know, I, I, I use a lot of what I was taught growing up, um, uh, with how I teach and how I coach um, and and my personality toward the players uh, especially, that type of stuff uh, the foundation of it at least comes from comes from my dad so a uh, huge influence in my life wish he were here to see what was going on now, I think he would take his purple and gold colors and flush them down the toilet for the maroon and gold <laughs> ones now but um, I think he'd definitely <laughs> be relishing in what's going on now
0: no doubt. No doubt. Your dad was a character and um, was always, uh, you know, good to hang around with, always quick to, to crack a joke. Uh, you know, you, you carry on a lot a lot of his legacy and personality. Um, and I know uh, from what I've heard from players that are currently at ASU and, and talking with other coaches that know players at ASU is, it seems to be that uh, the guys are really responding well, um, you know, to your leadership style and the and the culture that you're developing. Um, do you mind sharing, you know, what are some of those core kind of pillars of the, of, of the
1: culture that you're committed to uh, developing? Well, for me, it's it's um, you know, uh, essentially doing things the right way uh, again, just kind of, as I alluded to <laughs> something, my dad was, would say is don't half-ass it. No, if you're going to do something, go out and do it right. Um, don't waste my time. Don't waste your time. Um, you know, but kind of before then I, the, the biggest thing for me is just the commitment level to the program. Um, you know, how committed are you? How good do you guys want to be? Um, I've already had my career right? And, and now this is obviously a different chapter of life, but I want them to, I want them to want it as bad as I do. Uh, I want, how good do you guys want to be? Cause I'm sitting in this chair for one reason. That's to win a national championship. Um, that's the only reason I'm back here. That's the only thing that, that I have on my mind to accomplish is to get this program back to being uh, a national powerhouse and hopefully back to winning national championships. So if you don't have those same goals, we're not going to, we're not going to mesh very well. So Everyone can say that, that, yeah, oh, yeah, I want to win a national title, but what are you willing to do to prove that? And to me, that's a whole different ball of wax where it's very easy to say, very difficult to set yourself apart from everybody else in the country with what they're doing and do something different that's going to ultimately lead you guys to be, you know, at some point the number one team in the country. And I, I preach a lot of, to these guys about, um, you know, buying our team that, when we went because I from experience yep. – um, We were not very talented, I guess. And I mean that respectfully, that our team across the board didn't all really have that much talent, but we'd fight you tooth and nail on the field or in the parking lot. didn't matter. Uh, We were coming to get you. And when you have that type of mindset and mentality that that you aren't going to back down and you believe in the guy next to you and you've gone through the things that the guy next to you has gone through and you know him and respect him inside and out, um, there's power in that. There's power in that culture and that mindset. And for me, if I can teach my players to believe in each other and, and to sacrifice uh, their own personal desires for the team, for the betterment of the team, um, we got a chance to do something special because across the board, we're way more talented than that team that should have won the national title in 98. It's, um, mm. And granted, it's a different landscape. It's 25 years later. Uh, kids are bigger, yep. stronger, faster. I get that. But at the same token... The parity across collegiate baseball is at an all-time high. Um, everybody has talent, so the things that are going to set you apart from everybody else is everything that doesn't take any talent. So, mentality, mindset, dealing with adversity—those type of things—are what we focus on uh, when we're trying to build this culture.
0: Absolutely, and um, I'm curious. You know, you obviously played at the college level uh, at ASU, went on, signed professionally, um, played in the major leagues for over 10 years with a variety of different teams, mostly Arizona, uh, D-backs, and also the Mariners. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, how does that experience – how do you parlay some of that experience? Because professional baseball is a different animal than college baseball. I mean, a lot of people say college baseball is like – you know, a playoff series every weekend, especially in conference in terms of the intensity and how much it matters and counts uh, as opposed to playing 162 games. Um, you know, I'm curious, what do you want to draw from professional baseball that, that you feel can, can help support these players and, and your staff in a way that is able to, um, you know, blend both worlds, I guess, uh, is, 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 what I'm thinking. Uh, if you don't mind sharing how you're trying to blend some of, some of
1: both. Absolutely. Well, I think first from a, a coaching standpoint, I've learned, I got uh, the opportunity to play for 11 different managers in, in major league baseball. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of recognizable names, Lou Piniella, Mike Hargrove, Kirk Gibson, um, you know, there are uh, Bob Melvin. I mean, several, several guys that have done, Dusty Baker done a lot of great things in in the game of baseball so I got to learn and watch and absorb their their managing styles that what made them successful um, and and which teams that were ultimately successful over the long haul and and teams that weren't successful um, I've been on both ends of the spectrum so uh, to me to be able to kind of decipher um, in my mind what what was the secret for those teams? What were the teams? Why were we good? Why were we uh why did we overachieve? Why did we underachieve? Um and being able to take that into account when I when I talk to these guys and try to motivate my own team, um, learning from from their their past uh, you know, failures and successes. So uh, you know, first and foremost is that. And then secondly from a a player standpoint, you know, what what are the underlying things that make a guy successful as a player? Um, you know, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel offensively and, and hitting. Yeah. The pitching has gotten better. Um, I think over the, over the past couple of decades from uh, a velocity standpoint, certainly. Um, and, and it's in my mind, the game, it kind of goes in cycles and right now I think pitching has the, the edge over hitters, but, on the same token, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel hitting wise. Uh, I've played with a lot of phenomenal players: Edgar Martinez, Paul Goldschmidt, um, you know Billy Butler. There, there's just the list goes on and on on players that I've been fortunate to play with, and the same thing that made them successful is the same thing that makes the guys today successful, <laughs> like simplified approach, get on the fastball, uh, strong lower half, you know, uh, strong front side. Those type of things will never change in my mind. Um, you know, there are a lot of new teachings and, and different, uh, theories out there, but at the same time, I think the, the best chance for success is simplified approach and hit the ball hard, not far hit it in the gaps, um, those type of things. So I think when you combine all that mixture into one, um, being able to learn, uh, and see with my own eyes, what has success and what doesn't over the long haul, um, and trying to teach these guys just a simplified basic approach along with mentality um, hopefully that translate into translates into success and ultimately wins. But um, you know, th- those are the two things that I, I look from a standpoint on a coaching and, and from a player standpoint.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think back to uh, one thing that Murph was always, uh, our former coach at ASU was super committed to um, for our hitters and we used to have an expression that was, um, you know, if you were in the lineup, you were going to be one of nine effing warriors. And that was the um, kind of the <laughs> the declaration. Um, and one thing that was part of that was being ready to hit fastballs and being ready to do damage from the first pitch of the at-bat, um, you know, all the way, you know, through the last pitch, your last at-bat uh, still, you know, hitting off of the fastball. Um, I think it's the pitch that most players have seen the most over the course of their career. Um, So if, if, if you can't establish some sort of um, I guess preparation for that pitch, then it's going to be, it's going to be tough, uh, you know, for you um, at this level, as, as younger hitters uh, to be able to adjust uh, to secondary pitches or try to just hunt, you know, secondary pitches all the time. Um, So Love to hear that you're, uh, you know, you're, you're committed to that as well. Um, In terms of now that you've been through what I'd consider half a recruiting cycle, um, you know, talking about what you've seen on the recruiting trail, what, what has surprised you in terms of recruiting? um, And then, you know, later we can talk more about what type of player you work with, but I'm just curious, you know, that you recruit, but you know, you've seen, early recruiting as part of the game now. Um, so I'm curious if you can share just what has surprised you about, uh, the recruiting process.
1: I mean, I, I think it's, uh, I'm, I'm be the first to say this is all brand new, uh, to me. So I'm learning on the fly a little bit and kind of got baptized, baptized by fire when I got this job. But, um, you know it, it's uh, there's a lot of different variables that go into the recruiting process as you know um, and I'm learning those as I go but uh, as far as things that have surprised me, I, I just think that there are there are so many so many players out there that that it's just a matter of finding the right type of kids. Um, the talent level is I mean it's crazy. shoot, you see an eighth grade kid that's pumping 91 92 miles an hour. It's like okay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't remember them, them making them like that when I was coming up, um, but, uh, wow, these kids are physical. They're, they're bigger, stronger, faster. And, and, you know, this is, it's, it's kind of crazy, but, um, to me, that's, that's the biggest surprise, I guess, is how young kids are getting recruited. Um, and how, yep. uh, if you don't get in on them, how essentially you could say you're going to miss out, I guess, um but, but kids, I think what I'm finding are, are ultimately developed at different rates. Um, so, you know, you yeah. might, you might get the kid that's, you know, throwing 91 miles an hour in eighth grade, but by the time he's a senior in high school, is he still going to be improving at the level at the rate of everybody else's or did he, did he mature early? And that's all he has. So um, that's the difficult part for me is trying to figure out, you know, the, the ceiling for a lot of these guys and kind of going, going so far back into eighth and ninth grade and trying to project them at, at uh, by the time they get on campus, if they get on campus, what are they going to look like? Um, to me, that's just a whole different ball of wax than when I was coming up. And obviously that's the landscape I have to learn. Um, and me and my coaching staff have to learn. So, uh, I think that's the biggest surprise is how young kids are getting recruited. And on the flip side of that, kind of, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but the entitlement that young kids think they should be recruited at that age. So um, I'm like, mm. man, you came to a camp and you're ready for an offer. It's like, okay, well, I mean, yeah, you, you played good at the camp, but I haven't seen you playing a game. How are you? I, I mean, they're ready yeah. for an offer, coach. Okay, well, so is everybody out there. So why don't we just go ahead and tap <laughs> the brakes for a minute and see how you progress. But yeah. anyway, that's, uh, that to me has been the, the trickiest part so far.
0: You know, for parents or players that aren't, you know, or coaches that aren't familiar with it, uh, for the elite Division One programs out there, um, they're actively looking at players as early as the 8th and ninth grade um, in terms of the recruiting process. And it sounds crazy to think about a 14-, a 15-year-old having to consider a college decision. But, you know, unless the NCAA steps up and makes some changes, this is, this is where baseball is. And I would consider baseball uh, probably – more of like the wild, wild West in terms of recruiting, because unlike football, basketball, where you have very well-funded programs and you get a full ride or you get no scholarship for division one, basketball and football with baseball, you got 11.7 scholarships divided amongst the whole team. Um, And so it just creates a different, a, a very different dynamic, um, on top of that, you have professional baseball looking to sign certain players out of high school, and then you have players that are coming back that might sign. It, it's just I feel for college coaches um, to to manage and handle you know that moving that moving target. Um, and I know you've gotten some really good advice from a, a lot of different people. Um, but before we move on to the next question, if you're listening in right now and um, you know, Willie's taking the time to be here. um, And, you know, and nobody's getting paid for this. So um, if this is something you think other people should benefit from, please feel free to retweet, um, you know, this and and this can be shared with others. Uh, And we're giving away a recruiting guide for anybody that does retweet this. um, Because um, we just want to continue to provide better and better, you know, education on how college baseball really works. Um, So, yeah, the next question that I wanted to go into um, is, you know, looking at uh, some of the technology that you guys have access to. I know Sam, you know, and and building the pitching lab. What are some of the tools and technologies that you guys are using? And I don't just mean like for spin rates and stuff like that, but I'm talking about guys from a – physical development standpoint um, and just what is surprised is anything surprised you and, and what are some of the tools and technologies that you guys are using?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, the number one tool that we use here is our strength conditioning coach. And that's Tim Gifford um, who a guy I hired from the Milwaukee Brewers organization, um, you know, arguably one of the smartest guys I've ever been around just from a standpoint of how bio, biomechanics work and, and being able to train baseball players specifically. Um, Mm. in my experience, baseball is probably one of, if not the toughest sport to train, uh, those athletes because of, uh, all the different twisting and turning and core stuff that you use with what you do. Um, you know, you can't just go bench press and, and throw a bunch of weight on and squat and say, Oh, I've been working out but there's fine tuning muscles on uh, and joints and ligaments and everything on how they work properly um, where you might be over, over strengthening one area and not enough in the other area. So there, it takes somebody that's very um, trained specifically, specifically for baseball. And to me, that was the the first order of business when I got this job is that I wanted to make sure I got somebody that, that could, uh, that was specialized in that field. So um, we believe we got one of the best guys, and it's evident kind of on the health and how our, our players have progressed uh, so far this fall. Um, he's phenomenal. So uh, I think your, my first tool is getting a guy that's very knowledgeable on how to train athletes, uh, specifically baseball players. But in order to assist that, um, you know, certainly we do have, from a pitching standpoint, we have the pitching lab. Uh, that we have out there in in right field that has all the 3D technologies and and cameras out there to to break down mechanics and where there is weaknesses in the delivery and that type of stuff to avoid injuries and where guys can get stronger, um, you know, biomechanically in order to to avoid breakdown. So I think uh, between that, um, those two things from a pitching standpoint is great. We are in process of talking with – another company that I probably shouldn't share yet, but basically it, it cameras throughout the, uh, complex that, that measures, uh, oh, acceleration rates of, of, runners. Um, you know, how, how far did they go to, to catch the ball, exit velo, that type of stuff. Um, you know, which is helpful from a standpoint of being able to say, where are we lacking from an explosive standpoint and where we, are we got, Base runners, are we not getting out of the hole quick enough? The first step, how, what's the reaction time? Those type of things. Um, you know, it sounds a little technical for my liking, even. But uh, someone that's able to decipher those, like Tim, and and look at those numbers and say, okay, there is a breakdown in how we're stealing bases. We're not getting out of the hole quick enough. Um, we can focus next week's uh, strength conditioning on on explosiveness and quickness, getting out of the hole. So those type of things, those technologies are all real. They're all within the game. Um, whether or not I agree with them all or not, I mean, they're here to stay. So uh, you might as well get used to understanding how they work and try to get the most out of them.
0: Absolutely. And, um, yeah, having that balance between, you know, the the traditional coaching and development and, and scouting model and then being able to use, you know, use the data um, – You know, obviously you added uh, Sam Peraza, you know, to the staff, uh, you know, to help out with, um, you know, with recruiting, but also just on on the pitching side. I'm curious if you were to kind of say what are some of the what are some of the core values that Sam's trying to instill in in your pitching staff, as well as that you're, you know, working on instilling, you know, in in your pitchers as
1: well. Well, I think basically when you when you look at um, what we've inherited as a staff, we are. Uh, we have to, which I don't care if we had, you know, Cy Young winners from top to bottom, we'd probably still preach the same thing, but it's mentality attack the strike zone, uh, work with tempo, uh, down in the zone, let your defense work for you. Um, you know, for me, it's don't beat yourself, you know, go out there and trust your stuff, uh, and, and have a mound presence. You know, obviously that's all, it's great to have good stuff, but if you're not going to attack the strike zone with that good stuff, you're you're not going to be worth a damn. You know, you're just going to give up free bases and it's, it's great to have arms that throw 95, 96 miles an hour. But if you can't work ahead in the count and attack the strike zone, it doesn't do anybody any good to give up base runners and free base runners. So uh, for me, that is what we're trying to preach. And that's what Sam is trying to preach is attack the strike zone. Um, We don't have the arms on our staff that, that respectfully that, aren't going to strike out 18 guys like we're we're just going to have to live on attack to strike zone with some movement and let your defense work um and work with tempo work with uh you know not a not a panic but we want we want a nice upbeat tempo to where it keeps our our defense behind us engaged in the game The, the last thing again from experience the worst thing is playing behind a pitcher that it's a human rain delay and it takes forever, yeah. ball one, ball two, ball three, strike one, foul ball, ball two, you know, ball four. And it's just like, come on, dude, let's go attack the strike zone, get us a double play, get out of here and go to work at the bats. So um, anyway, that's what we're trying to preach uh, with these guys is tempo attack the strike zone and, and um, you know, mound presence and mentality. Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
0: the worst, the worst scenario is when you're a hitter, right? And you get in the box. And you realize that pitcher is more ready is, is like ready to throw before you're even ready to like hit right. right. So then you're then you're using your hand. You're calling timeout. You're stepping out of the box. You're trying to disrupt his tempo. But um, you know it is it is an advantage I think for pitchers if they're like getting that sign right away and they're just ready to go um, because so much of the game is is based on being comfortable. Um, you know as a hitter. Right. And if you're even creating a little a little bit of uncomfort for that hitter, you're going to have some sort of advantage. Um, So I I love that, you know, kind of commitment to just keeping the tempo up. And then I got I get a bunch of information from driveline and they they sent me some email a couple weeks back and I thought it was interesting. And they said that fastballs down the middle had a a much lower batting average than they've had in the past. (laughs) So to, to your point, if you're like, literally, if you're in the zone um, and you're staying in the zone and ideally if you're in the zone, um, you know, earlier in the counter, you're getting in better, better counts, you're probably going to have a higher percentage, but there's something just to be said for literally just throwing strikes and attacking the zone. As we all know, Um, I think, um, obviously you and I have been hit, you know, we're hitters. Um, but if pitchers would go, you know, would stand in the box and see how, how difficult it is sometimes to, to hit a baseball and to just understand, like, it's arguably the most difficult thing to do in sports. And just to, to, to realize, like, I don't have to be perfect. I don't need to nibble on the corner. You know what I mean? Like just, being able to flip the flip the rolls and, and, and see how difficult yeah, that is. I think you're um,
1: to your point, the best the best college hitters in the game are, you know, 370, 380, 390 hitters. Uh, you, you still yeah. have over a 60% chance of them hitting it at somebody or making it out. So even if you're facing the best in the country, you're, the odds are still in your favor if you can throw it over the plate. Um, use that to your advantage. Baseball is the only sport, at least that I know of where the defense possesses the base or the defense has the ball. So every other sport that I know of offense has the ball. So if you train, your thinking is, is our pitchers like, Hey, we're not on defense. We're on offense. We have the ball. We are on offense. Go attack somebody with the baseball. Um, that is the mentality I want our guys to have no doubt well
0: um i got a question um so from a um from a pitchability you know standpoint like you're going to be recruiting you know um you know new players every year right and you've already started signing some players for the 22 class the 23 class um as you look at pitching um i'm curious what things stand out from you outside of let's say the intangibles attacking the zone throwing strikes um you know do, do you and sam have a have a certain preference for starting pitchers um you know that uh you know that 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 fit the um you know we'll say fit the criteria that you guys look for um when you're trying to recruit I think uh
1: just solid mechanics you know a quick arm athletic arm those are the things we got. Like. Can he spin the breaking ball? Um, how often does he pitch with his fastball? Does he rely on that? Because you know, we we again we like guys that that want to attack the strike zone and and like to pitch with their fastball. So, um, but you know, certainly guys that can spin the breaking ball are good, crafty. Um, you know, and I think the the missing piece to a lot of this stuff too is you know if you look at major league rosters, um, not everybody's cookie cutter. At least the the successful. Uh, pitching staffs are, are not everybody is the same over the top, perfect mechanics. You got sidewinders and three quarter guys, and guys that throw underneath. So don't sleep on those guys either. There, there are some of those, those guys out there that, you know, weren't successful over top, but are now throwing down under that are extremely successful. And I think the same goes in college. Seeing a different arm slot is not always easy, especially for collegiate hitters that don't see them very often. So if you can go out there and find a guy that's three quarter, low three quarter guy that may not have the velo of 95 or 93 or whatever it might be, but is effective, that stuff plays in college. Um, you know, especially with guys that don't see that on a daily basis. So I think it's, you know, something unique like that. Um, but uh, you know, starting at the top, we look for clean delivery, uh, athletic arm, um, Projectability—if if he's got a, a frame where he can put on some more muscle and, and whatnot and, and fill out a little bit, especially with our strength and conditioning program, we we got a pretty good idea they're going to get stronger when they're here. Um, you know, uh, and if if it doesn't fit one of those criteria, then we kind of look to plan B, where it's okay has he got a funky arm action? Is it something different and unique that can be uh, that we can use on our staff here? Absolutely,
0: De- deception. I um, think about some of the teammates we used to have Charlie Williamson coming
1: from <laughs> yes
0: like <laughs> big bird on the mound but he would come from down under Six, eight thrown um, from down under
1: yep <laughs> crazy
0: see <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't thought about that guy in a long time um what um advice for you know for for parents and this is not just like, Parents of high school players, you know, you had a chance, you know, to coach, um, you know, your daughter some. And um, what what did you learn from just literally like just some coaching one hundred and one advice to parents? You know, dealing with an athlete today, um, whether they're actually, and I'm not saying if they're coaching their own athlete. I'm just saying if they're a parent of a student athlete today. Um, what would be, you know, just some candid advice that uh, you know that you would give? You
1: know, I think uh, some things that I, I guess I've learned as a dad, you know, going through it with my daughter, and, and everyone's going to develop at different levels, uh, at different time rates, and you don't have to get a full ride scholarship in seventh grade. I mean, and playing seven thousand different tournaments every weekend is not going to get you there. It's it's not going to hurt, but. I think just be careful on how much you do um, and how kids have to be kids and they have to do different things um, in my mind. So the the one sport athlete that goes year round gung ho at one, one sport all year long, man, I I think you run the risk of burning them out. Um, And the, I think during the the specific season that they have, yeah, get as many games as you can in and, and, and play them, play them like crazy. But when the season's over, let it be over. Um, let them go do something else. Let them rest their mind and their body and move on to a different sport or something for a bit. Um, because at the end of the day, by the time they get to college, when it, when it kind of starts, I guess, quote unquote, mattering, um, they're either going to be burnout or hurt. Uh, and to me, that's, that's where I see it's different than when we grew up by where shoot, I, I played three yep. sports in high school. Uh, you played several sports in high school. It just, it seems to be gravitating toward this one sport all year round, and by the time kids get to it, they they don't have the same intensity, or the, a lot of kids are hurt and or they're burnout on it. So uh, for me, just be cautious of that as a parent, and and let them be kids at times, and, and keep it fun. I know that sounds a little cliche from especially from our childhoods growing up, but um, you know you do need <laughs> yeah. to keep it fun for them and keep it engaging and to where they don't they don't hate the sport by the time they get to, they they do get to college.
0: Absolutely. I mean, there was a study that was done on why do, why do kids play sports? Um, And so one of them, one of the big things was I get to be around my friends. Another big one was I get to be able to uh, see how I'm doing. I get measured. There's, there's, there's progress, right? Um, And so you, you think about why does your son want to play sports? Um, a lot of it's just being social, uh, and having that opportunity and then, um, being able to, like I said, be measured and say, all right, can I make progress? Because what they refer to, you know, like social scientists study what creates happiness and a lot of happiness is directly tied to just, do you feel like you're making progress in something? Um, and so I think it's important to keep that in mind as, as, as coaches, um, you know, whether it's a college coach or you're a youth coach or whatever level it is, um, understanding why, you know, why do they do it? And the third one is it's, it's because they say it's fun. And so, um, it isn't for us, you know, it isn't to get a scholarship or to get a big, big signing bonus or, you know, to, to sign professionally. Uh, that's not the underlying driver there. Um, and it's not easy as a parent in today's world. And I would say for high school parents, you know, today, um, a couple and Willie and I've talked about this at length is spending, spending more time on training and development um, you know, and and building the right strength and the right flexibility and mobility, um, and being strategic in terms of when it makes sense to play in, you know, showcases or camps, um, you know, so that uh, because the the strength and the training and the development uh, is is a huge part of this process. Um, and you added, you know, I want to talk about someone else on your staff because, you know, it's nice to have some sun devil blood you know, in the dugout with you as well. And, um, you know, Travis Buck um, and what that's what that's meant and and, and how that came to be. And just, um, you know, if you don't mind kind of weighing in on uh, on T-Buck as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Travis is uh, a huge piece to what we're doing. He um, he just want to be back part of Sun Devil Baseball again, kind of like myself. Uh, He was up in. He he did a got Boise State's program uh, helped them get off and running, uh, and then COVID unfortunately shut them down before they could even get started, which kind of was a bummer for him, obviously. But um, you know he he understands I guess what it takes to build a program from literally literally from the ground up. Um, but uh, he was he was working up in for the for the Boise Hawks up uh, in Boise, and and this opportunity came up where. I'm like, Hey man, we, we can, we can have you back on staff if you want to get involved. And he's like, I'm in the car tomorrow. I'll be on my way. He's just, I I can't wait to get back and (laughs) be a part of Sun Devil Baseball again. Um, this is where I want to be. This is where my passion is. Um, and he just is that's Travis. He just is very, very passionate about this place, understands the, how special it can be. Um, understands how special it was for him and, you know, he would give anything back to it that he, that he possibly can. So, uh, for him to be part of my staff and, and to, to hear him, you know, speak of the same similar stuff that I, that I speak about and, uh, have the same passion and desire for this place that I do. Um, it just kind of goes hand in hand that he's a great fit around here and guys love him. Uh, you know, he's working primarily with the outfielders, base runners and does some hitting stuff as well. Um, but, uh, you know his his passion and mindset speaks volumes for for the program itself and he's just a huge addition to everything we're doing no doubt about it well
0: you know i had a chance to talk with uh, Ethier uh and Padroya, um at the uh, at the alumni game and a couple other a couple other guys as well and um there always seems to be this special connection when um, it comes back to thinking about the college time. And, you know, you had a chance to play the game many years after uh, college baseball. And I guess how would you, com- how would you compare, um, you know, just for players that are looking to sign professionally out of high school versus – because you had a chance to sign professionally out of high school. So did I. And so did a lot of, you know, a lot of guys that are, were from our era or, you know, part of ASU alumni. Um, kind of just what's your, what's your general take or stance on do I sign pro or do I go to college?
1: Well, I, I would say this if I were speaking in layman's terms, that if you're going to get the amount of money that's going to last you a lifetime and, and have life-changing money, and that's different for everybody – uh, then by all means, you know, I'm not going to be the one to stop you and try to talk you out of it, but what you'd be missing out on are the three or four best years of your life, uh, in a college experience. If you pick the right collegiate program to go play for and be a part of, <clears throat> it should be a place that you don't want to leave. Um, and for me, that's how it was here. I didn't want to leave after three years. I knew I kind of had to, cause that was my time to go play. Um, but, uh, for me, that was, um, that was the biggest thing that, that I took with me is there was an experience that you're never going to get again. Um, and not only that, but, uh, but an education to go along with it and a degree to go with you that people can never take away, uh, friendships for life, uh, brotherhood that you, you spend and, and go through things with like you and I are sitting here talking because of the program we played together with. Um, you don't get that in pro ball. You get, uh, respectfully you get small little podump towns with living in a hotel with a roommate that might not speak english and you're eating fast food every night and you have six people in the stands watching you play it's like it's an 18-hour bus rides across the country (laughs) like dude if that's what you want to (laughs) do and you think that's the glamorous lifestyle by all means go ahead um it doesn't really get fun until you're in the big leagues you know or very close to knocking on the door of the big leagues. So. Um, there are a lot of levels and a lot of competition. Um, that is your job every day where you don't have the college experience to, to fall back on. Um, to me, it's a no brainer. Like I said, if you're getting the, if you're getting the millions and millions of dollars, by all means, I'll be your biggest fan. Go ahead and take it. But unless there is that, uh, that amount to, to, I I just know the value that I put on my ASU experience. Um, it would, it would take, more money that I made in professional baseball in my whole career for me to turn that down. Uh, let's put it that way. Uh, to me, it's, it's a no brainer college, the college experience, you cannot put a price tag on it. Um, so for me, it's a no brainer. College for me is the way to go.
0: Yeah. I appreciate you weighing in on that. Um, it, it, it becomes, you know, you're friends with a bunch of agents. I'm friends with a bunch of agents as well. And um, everybody takes a bit of a different kind of stance on that. But um, yeah, those 18 to 20, 21 uh, year old, that window of, of a young man's life um, in their baseball careers, also very fundamental. And I think one thing to add on top of that is you rarely get to choose who you get drafted by. So, the Pirates might draft you. The Cardinals might draft you. The you know the A's might draft you. You don't you don't get to choose. You get to choose who you commit to when you go to college. You get to understand what their player development you know philosophy is, uh, how they support um, you know the players, um, what the environment's going to be like for growth you know and development on and off the field. Um, and so I think that's also something to consider. Um, because you just – you don't know who you're going to get drafted by uh, if you choose to go the professional route. So um, with that being said, um, I guess final question I wanted to ask you. um, You know, this is going to be your first season. Um, I want to know outside of Omaha and winning a national championship, um, how do you feel – how do you want to measure, you know, success in terms of, you know, you walk away from this season and you go, you know what, we were, we were able to do this. I was able to learn this. Um, we're set up now for, you know, season two in a much better way. I'm, I'm curious, and this is not an easy question. Um, but, um, I'm going to put it out there anyway,
1: <laughs> as you always do. <laughs>
0: we've had a lot of conversations. So um, yeah, I'm just curious and you know, it doesn't need to be the number of wins. So I'm just curious, like even maybe from a, you know, from uh you know, from a value standpoint or just a feeling standpoint as well.
1: Well, for me, you know, and I hope I can stick true to this, my entire coaching career, however long that lasts. Um, you know, I, of course, everybody wants to go to, the, to Omaha and win a college world series. We're one of, I don't know how many programs are out there, 200 programs, Division One baseball, or how many there is. Everybody has the goals and desires to go to Omaha. So I'm no different than anybody else when it comes to that. But what I believe to, to measure our success, or me, I guess, individually, personally, uh, my success on is, did we establish a championship culture? Did I raise help help raise these young men properly to where they can go be a positive influence on society when they leave here? Um, both on and off the field. And if I can do that, where the majority of our young men that leave this program after, after being coached here, that they go out and are a positive influence on, on the rest of the world, I firmly believe the winds will follow and take care of themselves. So for me, it's a standpoint of creating the culture that we deserve here, um, understanding the way we do things and having these guys grow up as men, as young men, um, do things the right way, uh, again, both on and off the field and wherever life takes them after here, um, to be a positive influence. And if we can do that, I'm pretty confident the winds are going to follow the way they're supposed to.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, that is why, um, I am super excited about where ASU baseball is going. That's why I'm so glad that, um, Willie, you're you're in this position, um, and I just um, you know glad you made the time to be part of this. I think it was an enlightening conversation to get insights um, from you and to hear more about ASU baseball and, and why it's near and dear to your heart, uh, and just <clears throat> you know what to look forward you know to ahead as a as a fan or a parent or a player. Um, you know, Arizona State baseball is. Um, is in a is starting a new chapter, and um, I'm I'm glad we were able to uh, you know take the time. And if this landed and resonated with you as a as a parent, and you want your spouse to listen to this on Valentine's Day, <laughs> or or you want your son or daughter or family friend like just share you know share the tweet. You know you can forward this along, uh, or you can retweet it. Um, but this is the type of um, insight that I think is really valuable, um, you know, for the community to, to hear and understand. So Willie, just want to thank you again, man, for taking the time, uh, to share and, and, and be part of this. Oh, I
1: appreciate you having me, Bynie. Um, you know, it's, uh, obviously it's always great to catch up with you personally, but just for, for those listening, you know, the, the people that care, Andrew's one of those, uh, one of those guys that really cares about, you know, giving giving the parents out there and giving those people out there a uh, an avenue and in a a glimpse of what to expect and in, in some way shape or form and you know how things should be done so uh do i have the the holy grail of that absolutely not but um i do have some experience and what i've been through in my life and i hope to share that with with my players and and for those that listen to this um hopefully they took something out of it but uh you know, I'm just thrilled to be back, part of this program again. And you know, uh, no pun intended, but I will give it hell and and give it all we got. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm anxious to see how how things shake out. No doubt
0: about it. Well, enjoy the rest of your Valentines, and um, thanks all again, right, buddy. buddy. Thanks for having me. You got it. All right. Well, that wraps up. Uh, you know tonight's interview with uh, Coach Bloomquist from Arizona State University. I want to thank everybody uh, for being part of this. Um, if you have any questions that we didn't get a chance to get to, feel free to DM us, um, and we will um, we'll we'll circle back. Uh, if you wanted to get access to that college recruiting guide for parents and players and coaches, uh, there's that. there's the tweet that I put out for the retweet giveaway. So uh, you're welcome to do that. And this has been recorded. So if you didn't catch the whole thing and you want to listen to the beginning or you want to listen to it again, or you want to share it, um, it'll be as soon as I end this Twitter space, this will be saved, recorded, and it'll be part of this, uh, uh, the, the tweet that is pinned on our Uh, account right now. So you can go back to it and share it and listen to it. So again, thanks everybody for your time and um, have a great Valentine's uh, day, wherever you are. Take care. Thanks for being part of the realities of college recruiting podcast and our partner five tool baseball. You can easily subscribe on iTunes and check us out online at Sports Force Baseball for every past episode of our podcast. If you wanna ask questions, share insights, and recommend future guests, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at SportsForceBB and Facebook under SportsForceBaseball. Be sure to join us on our next episode of the Realities of College Recruiting Podcast. And remember, your college decision isn't a four-year one, It's a 40-year one.